Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday to you. Welcome once again to the Edge Church. My name is Stephen Van Den, and I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, really glad to have you joining with us uh, for this second Sunday of Advent. Can you believe that it's already December and, and Christmas is, is only a few weeks away? I don't, I don't know about you, but for me, like crossing over into the month of December is is really like when Christmas starts to feel real for me. It's like it's like it's really coming and there's just this a- anticipation and this excitement that happens this time of year. And personally, I love it. Uh, I love the Christmas season um, and, and really I love the opportunity to share in the Advent season together. Now, uh, for those of you who may not be too familiar with Advent and what it's all about, Advent is this four-ish week uh, season uh, that leads up to Christmas that that really the church around the world has celebrated for some 1,500 years now. Uh, the word Advent comes from this Latin word Adventus, and it means uh, the coming or arrival. Uh, Advent is a time where, where we as the church, we, we celebrate not just an event that happened some 2,000 years ago with the birth of Jesus, the Son of God, but, 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 but we, where we also celebrate that Christ has come and is present now and that he will return again, not as a baby in a manger, but, but as the ruling and reigning high priest, high king of heaven and earth to restore all things. And so in Advent, we not only look back to see what God has done, but we look forward with expectation to what God's doing and what God yet has in store for us. This is a time uh, like where the song Joy to the World says to us to, to, to let every heart prepare him room. And that's, that's really what we're after in this season, that in the, the midst of the many different things that happen in, in the Christmas season, all the hustle and bustle and craziness this season that we take time to just set aside time for preparing our hearts and for setting our hearts and our minds on really the true gift and meaning of Christmas Jesus. And so this morning, I'm going to continue us on our Advent series that we're calling Presence by looking together at the presence of hope. And so to start this morning, we're going to light our second Advent candle and this candle is often referred to as the prophet's candle. This candle is to symbolize hope as the people of God waited with anticipation and expectation for the coming Messiah spoken of through the prophets. And so I just want to pray for us, invite God into our time, ask the Lord to minister um, to us by his word. Would you pray with me? Father, just come before you. This morning, in the name of your son, Jesus, God, grateful for this opportunity to be together, grateful for this opportunity to open your word. I pray that that you, Lord, would speak to us this morning, God, that we'd have ears to hear from you, God, that we'd have hearts that are open for you, God, that we would, Lord, prepare, uh, Lord, make room, God, that you would come and that you would speak, that you would minister God, help us to be aware of your presence today. God, help us to just be open, Lord, to whatever it is, Lord, that you want to bring to us this morning through your word. God, thank you that that you intended and planned on us being present at this moment. God, because there's something that you want to speak into our hearts. Lord, let us receive every bit of it today. God, have your way in this word. Have your way, God, in this time. Have your way in us. Jesus, I pray. Amen. 
you know, one of the things that I love about the Advent season and, and Christmas time and the Christmas story is that if you really look and pay attention, if you really listen, what you'll discover is that all of it is really pointing you towards true hope. It's been said that that a person can make it for 40 days without food, that, that you can go for four days without water, that you can live for four minutes without air, but that you can not even make it more than four seconds without hope. Hope is essential for our lives and for our thriving. It is what keeps us from giving up and giving in because it keeps us looking forward to better. Now, now in the Bible, there are a number of different words that are used for hope, but there's two primary words that are used in the Old Testament. One is this Hebrew word, yakal, and it simply means to wait for. Hope requires waiting. In fact, the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8.24, he says that hope that is seen is no hope at all. He says, who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Hope requires waiting. I I have to tell you that every time uh, that I hear or read that passage of scripture, it it always like makes me think about that old Heinz ketchup commercial from like the late 80s. I know that dates me a little bit. My kids think that I like grew up on black and white television, but 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 if you remember that commercial, it was like this teenage kid and he's in a diner and and he opens up a Heinz ketchup bottle and he's just holding it upside down. And there's like he's kind of like grooving, dancing and people are watching him. And, and at just the right time, like his burger comes out and is placed in front of him. And then the ketchup drops like right on the burger. And it ends with this slogan, right? Like that says the best things come to those who wait. And I love that. Now, now. We know that that's not always true, right? For one, that, that certainly it's not always true that the best things come to those who wait. But, but I, I do think that it's generally true that good things are worth waiting for. Uh, I, I think it's true that, that you tend to have a greater appreciation for things that you've had to wait for. And, and oftentimes when you look back uh, on those things that you didn't want to wait for, but 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 had to wait for, right? You realize how good it was that you didn't get what you wanted uh, in that moment, because if you're honest, you pro- you weren't really prepared for. Hope requires waiting, and can we just be honest and say most of us don't like waiting? I know I don't prefer to wait. I was looking at this research study not long ago that said that the average person spends six months of their life waiting in line. Six months. It said similarly that that, that, that person will, will spend about six months of their life waiting in traffic. Um, that, that same study said that we spend about 43 days of our life waiting on hold on the phone. Certainly if you've called a doctor, an insurance company, something like that, you'd be like, yeah, no doubt, 43 days. That's, that seems realistic. It says that, that the average person will spend about 27 days waiting for a bus or for a train. And if that isn't enough, it says that the average person waits about 21 minutes every time they're going to go out with their spouse or significant other. Certainly that depends on your spouse. Uh, but I think it's also true that if you have kids, you could tack on five to 10 minutes per kid at that point. And so my five kids, I figure I'm out an hour at least, right? W- waiting is, is a part of life and not, not just for trivial things, but for the, for the deeper things of life, right? For the more meaningful things as well. I, I know some of you who've been waiting for a breakthrough in your life, a breakthrough in your family, in, your, in a relationship, in your health, in a job situation. Part of hope is waiting, 
The other primary Old Testament word for hope is this word kava in the Hebrew. And it also means to wait, but it, but it also includes this idea of there being attention and expectation in the waiting. In the New Testament, the word for hope is this word alpis, and, and it includes a joyful confidence. And so you could say that hope is waiting in the tension of what is to come joyfully, confidently, and expectantly. I think we often get a glimpse of this very thing at Christmas time, don't we? Especially if you get around kids, right? There's this certain tension that takes place in the waiting, like the day just can't come fast enough, but there's this joyful expectation about what is coming, but not yet here. There's this anticipation, you know that it's coming, but still, and it starts with this time of waiting. I remember uh, myself as a kid, just like laying by the Christmas tree, especially on Christmas Eve, like just hardly able to sleep, excited with anticipation, hopeful for all that the morning would bring. Let me ask you a question this morning. What is it that you're hoping for? I don't mean like, what are you hoping to find wrapped under the Christmas tree on Christmas morning? Although that, that might be it also. But like, like, what is it that you're really hoping for? See, the way that we naturally tend to think about hope is that we think about it as what we want to be different in our lives. Biblical hope, though, is different than that because it isn't so much hoping for better or different circumstances as much as it is hoping for God himself to show up right in the middle of our messy and broken and hurting and needy lives. In the book of Isaiah, in the Old Testament, some 700 years before Jesus was born, as the nation of Israel, God's people, were sinking into self-destruction in this dark time of exile and rebellion, the prophet Isaiah cries out to God in chapter 63, verse 15, saying, look down from heaven and see from your lofty throne, holy and glorious, where are your zeal and your might, your tenderness and compassion are withheld from us. Isaiah is looking at the mess all around him, the circumstances, the trouble. And he's saying, God, do you see us here? God, do you see what we're going through? God, do you see what's happening? God, do you care? God, why are you so distant? Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever maybe said something similar to God as you've been going through your own season of difficulty or hardship or or suffering or trial? Isaiah prays, God, do you see us? But then he continues in chapter 64, verses 1 and 2, and he says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That that word rend means to violently tear open. He, He says, God, would you rip open the heavens and come down? Would you enter into this pain, into this disappointment, into this disillusionment and suffering and hardship? God, would you enter in? He says that the mountains might quake at your presence as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your adversaries adversaries, and and that the nations might tremble at your presence. Isaiah's prayer starts with God look down, right? God see us, and it ends with God come down. It starts with God look down, it ends with God come down. See, Isaiah recognizes that more than God looking down on us and acting better is God coming and entering into our stuff with us himself. Isaiah recognizes that our deepest hope is God's fullest presence. Let me say that again. Our our deepest hope is God's fullest presence. That's what we need. 
him with us. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Have you ever just prayed, God, come. God, God, enter in. God, come down. Enter into this hurt. God, God, come into this pain. God, enter into this hardship or suffering. Enter into this relationship because it is broken and hurting, and I don't know how we're going to make it. God, enter into this job situation because I'm struggling to, to pay the bills. Uh, God, I don't know how we're going to make it uh, to the end of the month, right? Like, like God, enter into this home, enter into this family, enter into this classroom, this neighborhood, enter into my heart, my soul, my mind. God, rend the heaven and come. Is what I need most, God, is you. He is the hope. No one sees and experiences God's presence and walks away from him hopeless. And really, this is the hope of Christmas and for all mankind. And this is the story of Christmas. It's the hope that, the, that, that Isaiah prophesies about in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, when he tells the people, he says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. That was such a big deal. Emmanuel, God with us. That's the hope of mankind and for you and me today. And really, this is what we see all throughout the scriptures, the people of God looking for and waiting on God himself. Like in the Psalms where hope is mentioned more than 40 different times, the psalmist cries out in Psalm 130 verses five through seven. He says, I wait for the Lord. Uh, My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord for with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption. Hope in the Lord, wait on the Lord because everything else, and I mean everything, will ultimately disappoint you, fail you, and end everything but God. Remember when I started, how I said that that, that really if you looked and paid attention and and listened in this season, that you'd find that, that everything in the Christmas season is pointing you towards true help, true hope. Just think about that for a second, right? Like, like think about that Christmas tree that you cut down. You decorated it to perfection. You you decorated gloriously, right? Like, like it smells fantastic. That that Christmas tree is serving as a reminder to you not to put your hope in created things, because just in a few weeks from now, just in a little bit of time, that same tree, right? You're going to be dragging out to the curb to throw out with the rest of the garbage and picking up all those pine needles along the way. Oh, and, and, and the same actually is true for all those beautifully wrapped presents under the tree, that, that, that those two, at some point in time, are going to find their way into the, the garbage in a landfill somewhere, right? That those, all those people, right, that you celebrate with, they, well, they, they can't be the place where you put your hope, because what, what you what you know and that is like you, they are weak and frail and, and flawed and needy. That, that, that even all the holiday fun, all the, all the sort of party and holiday joy and experiences, none of that is where you can put your hope because the season ends, right? The, the season comes to an end and all of us return to the reality of our everyday life. So, so it's none of those things. It's just him and hope that's placed anywhere else is really just misplaced hope. It's like the poet of Psalm 39 who says in verse seven, and so Lord, where do I put my hope? He asks, and he says, my only hope is in you. 
See, the Advent season and Christmas and the Christmas story all reveal to us that hope will never be found if you look for it horizontally out here somewhere. That, that, that true hope is only found when you look for it vertically, when you look for God himself. It declares to us not merely that God gives us hope, but that God is hope. Our deepest hope is his fullest presence. This is why we read the Christmas story every year, year after year. This is why we continue to open the scriptures in our time together and point you to them. Because as Romans 15, 4 tells us, it says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Hope because we're reminded of who God is in his word, his nature, his character, his ways, what he's done, his promises to us, and and that he is in fact present with us. See, one of the things that helps us to look forward with hope is by looking back on God's faithfulness. The prophet Isaiah, he does this very thing back in his prayer in Isaiah chapter 64, where after he says, God come, in verses three and four, he says, for there was a time when you came and did awesome things that we did not expect. The mountains quaked at your presence. No one has ever seen or heard of a God like you who does such deeds for those who put their hope in him. He's saying, people, remember. Remember who God is. Remember what God's done. Remember how God moved. Remember God's goodness. Remember how God has been faithful. He will be faithful again. Remembering is an essential part of hope. It's like the psalmist who writes in Psalm 77, verse 10 to 15. He says, then I thought, to this will I appeal the years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. You see all this all through the Psalms. You see King David talking about meditating on the words and the ways of God, remembering God, that he has been faithful in every generation to say that, 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 that even though I might be walking through this dark valley right now, God, you're with me and you've never failed me yet and you will not fail me now. If you want to hope well, you need to remember well. Read the scriptures, meditate on them. Share together in community the testimonies of what God has done. Journal and create for yourself, right? Like a record of how God has moved in and through your life throughout the years, over all the years, right? Through both some of the dark moments and seasons of life, as well as those mountaintop moments too. I mean, just think with me for a moment about your life. Haven't you been through some things? Like some hard things even. Hasn't there been some dark, difficult times? Like maybe maybe hellish even? But, But yet, have you seen God show up? Have you experienced his love? Have you experienced his grace? Have you experienced his his goodness and his care for you? Has he been faithful? Can you say that? 
I know that I can say that. I have seen God show up in so many ways in my life. He has been so good to me. And that isn't to say that everything in my life has been good. That isn't to say that that everything in life is good, right? But I believe that God's word is true, that when he says he works all things together for good, so that even though not everything has been good or is good, that, that God is working all things for good because God himself is truly good. And so isn't it reasonable to believe then that if God has been faithful in the past, that I should be faith-filled today and hopeful for the future because God is present and God is faithful. Remember, remember. I I want us to look together at part of the Christmas story for us to just look and see and be reminded of what happens when God shows up. And this is this is in Luke chapter one, verses 26 through 35. And this is when God shows up, God comes to Mary. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel said to her, greetings you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. God is present. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Here's what she says. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left. Let me just summarize this story with a few points for you today. One, first is simply this. God is present and God has a plan. God is present and he has a plan. And listen, the plan of God might not just look like your plan. Okay, the, the hope Jesus brings doesn't require a change in your circumstances or your plan coming to fruition. It is he himself coming We celebrate the presence of hope that is Christ, that God comes right into our messy and broken and needy world and lives to be with us, to change us and to fulfill his plan. Remember at the first Christmas, right, that when Jesus is born, Israel is waiting for a Messiah, a king, a a savior who would redeem them uh, and and make them this great nation and free them from the oppression of Rome. That's what what they were waiting for, this this ruler, this this king. Their hope was in that God would show and change their circumstance, right? And so rather than getting God himself, and so so many of them missed him, right? They, they, They ultimately disbelieved. They, 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 they ultimately even sent him to the cross because their hope was in the wrong place. If our hope is really just in better circumstances, then that is what we'll ultimately pursue, even to, to, to the, if it means missing God himself. Consider this. Do you really hope for God or just for God to change your circumstances? 
Is it God that you really want and for him to fulfill his plan in your life? Or is it really just for him to fulfill your plan? Second thing about this story is that when God is present, anything is possible, right? Even what anybody else might deem impossible. Would would you invite the Lord, right, to come into your life and, and whatever you're going through and just like to follow him and obey him, even if wherever he's leading you feels impossible? Would you say, God, come, and I'm just going to follow. Wherever you're leading me, whatever you have for me, however impossible that might seem, God, yeah, I say yes. Lastly, hope is not the product of self-determination. Like faith, it is the product of surrender. It is a yieldedness to who God is. It is a product of his presence. This is what we see with Mary in her response. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. It reminds me of Jesus in the garden before his crucifixion where he's praying. He says to the Father, but not my will, but yours be done. That's hope. It's not about my way and my outcome. It's about you, God, and yours. And you and your way is better. God, your your way is better. I trust you, right? See, if we really understood how good God was, that, that, that we would actually celebrate every no he gives us because we would know that it's connected to a better yes. Are you willing to surrender your control and your way and say, God, I am yours. This is yours and not mine. Have your way in this. Have your way in me, God. I trust you. See, see true hope isn't optimism. Right? It's not just thinking that everything is going to work out the way that I want it to. It's just waiting upon God to bring about a future that is, that is as true and as faithful and surprising as he is. Our deepest hope is his fullest presence. My, my, my hope and, and my prayer for you in this Advent season really comes from this benediction from the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 15, where he says this in verse 13. He says, may the God of hope, the the one who is the source and supplier of hope, that's who he is, that's his nature, right? May, may, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, as you surrender your life to him, as you put your hope in him, right? As you surrender your way and your future to him, trusting in him as his son or his daughter, may you be filled with all joy. It says joy because you live with an expectation of his presence and goodness. And may you be filled with all peace because you are resting in the confidence and assurance that you are forever his and he is faithful and will always make good on his word and his promises. May he fill you, it says, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May his presence in your life, the powerful work of the Holy Spirit with you and in you result in a hope that is overflowing, right? That cannot be contained, that doesn't end, that doesn't run out, that is just constant joy and peace in and through your life. That's the heart of God for you. That, that's what is offered in Jesus, through Jesus, and because of Jesus, hope. May the God of hope this season fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for your presence. God, thank you that you are here right now. 
Lord, I pray that, that God, you would give us an awareness today. God, of your presence here with us. And Lord, that we would set our heart on you. God, that our hope would be in you, Jesus. Lord, and that we would invite you into each and every part of us, God, into each and everything, Lord, that we're going through in this season, in this time. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would stir up hope in the hearts of everyone today. God, that we would experience you in this season in real and powerful and tangible ways. God, thank you for your love for us. God, thank you that you have come. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. God, I pray that you would remind us, Lord, too, of your faithfulness, of those times, Lord, where you have just shown up throughout our life. God, that we would look back at your faithfulness. So God, that we would look forward with hope. God, have your way in us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.